this place can be a new hotspot for digital nomads because this place is beautiful. It has a lot of things to do. The internet, I organized a whole conference from here. So the internet was crazy fast. It has everything. It just needs a proper structure. And I said, we should do a project about it. Let me come here and build this for you. And by then it was not even the village. It was just promoting Madara. That guy told me, spoke with the president of Madara. And the next day I was in the meeting with the president of Madara in the palace, me with shorts, t-shirts, <laughs> in the president and part of the government just there. And I was like, okay, this is going well. So I had a meeting with the president and he was very stoked about the idea. He wanted to build stuff. And I said, no, 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 we don't need to build stuff. We can actually just do it right here. And with the things that you have, I'm sure you have villages, you have empty buildings for sure, public buildings that you can use. Let's just do it here with what we have. Let's not be crazy. Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Mikko Koshovsky, and welcome to episode 103 of That Remote Life Podcast where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. I am so stoked for today's interview because it's with none other than Gonzalo Hall, the founder of the Digital Nomad Village Initiative in Madeira, Portugal. If you haven't heard about this yet, it was something that I covered in my weekly newsletter, Nomad Insider, a few months back. Madeira is a small Portuguese island off the coast of Morocco, and while visiting there, Gonzalo realized that it would be an amazing place for digital nomads, so he got to work. And during this interview, you will learn everything you need to know about the initiative and how Gonzalo put it together, plus just about everything you need to know in case you decide that living on an island in 2021 is exactly what you needed. We discuss everything from what the cost of living is in Madeira, how to find housing, internet speeds, and how to get there during COVID, plus much, much more. We seriously covered everything that you need to know if you're interested in moving to Madeira and working and living there as a digital nomad. Now, before I shut up and we dive into this conversation, I do want to let you know about my newsletter, Nomad Insider, which I mentioned a little bit earlier in this intro. I don't know about you, but I personally got really sick and tired of feeling left out about Nomad News. There's just so much going on and so many cool things happening that I just couldn't keep up. And mind you, I run an entire podcast on this topic. So I decided to do something about it. And Nomad Insider is that thing. Every Monday, I send out a short and fun email that contains the most important nomad-related news you need to know so you never feel like you're the last of your friends to learn about these sort of things, like the Digital Nomads Madeira movement, for example. And best of all, it's totally free. So if you're interested, head on over to thatremotelife.com forward slash nomadinsider and sign up. If you want to check out the full show notes and a list of resources mentioned on this episode, you can do so over at thatremotelife.com forward slash episode 103. That's episode all spelled out followed by the number 103. And oh, 
By the way, I do want to quickly apologize for the sound quality at the beginning of this interview because when we started the interview, uh, I did not notice that the sound was being recorded by my local laptop microphone as opposed to my ATR mic. So I do apologize about that. I realized it about halfway through the interview and I switch over. So my, uh, my audio should improve at that point. But all right, you guys, let's get into this interview. All right, Gonzalo, welcome to the show, man. I'm so excited for you to be here. Thank you for the invitation, man. It's always cool to talk with cool people like you. So I'm just talking, excited for our conversation. Yeah, man. Well, like we were just talking about is uh, you are in Madeira, Portugal. And we're going to talk a lot more about uh, why you're there. And I am in Mexico. And so if anybody who is familiar with this podcast before is looking at the video and is realizing the background's different, it's echoey. My apologies. Uh, but I officially got rid of my apartment, um, you know, like I was just mentioning, what was, what were you doing before COVID hit? Like, were you fully nomadic? And then like, what did you do when it did hit? So I was fully nomadic for one year and a half when COVID hit almost two years. And actually I was, I organized a conference in Lisbon in October, November, early November. So then I stick around Lisbon because I am from Lisbon actually. But I was traveling all around Asia and I was living in Germany before and then I was living in Poland. So I actually didn't live in Lisbon for more than 10 years. So I was just around and decided to stay a little bit longer to, because to, the community is really incredible there. And yeah, our friend there was organizing a lot of events. I was just going to events and meeting the community every single day. So I was having fun. So I decided to stay around Lisbon and then COVID. And it looks like COVID is not great for Lisbon because big cities with COVID suck. Uh, so yeah, I moved away as soon as I could to Edisada, just 45 minutes, but seaside, good waves, ocean, very nice. And yeah, COVID, I, got, I stayed in Portugal until the end of the first wave, then I moved to Las Palmas and then to Madeira. I write, I like islands. I think that's the thing you can take out from this answer. And what do you do for a living? Like, I know that right now you run um, the Digital Nomads Madeira and the uh, Nomad Village over there. And we can talk a, little about, a lot more about that. But I'm curious to hear a little bit about your background. Like, what were you doing before all of this that allowed you to be a digital nomad? So I started as you know, working full-time for a startup in the remote work space. Actually, they were selling remote work courses and trying to make a ruckus and educate companies about remote work. And then I left them and decided to launch my own consulting business. So I was helping companies to move to remote work. So the COVID era was like a tsunami and I was just a little surfer in the middle of the tsunami. But this is what, uh, what it was what I was doing. I was, yeah, just helping companies. Then during COVID, I launched six, seven businesses from a job board in Europe called remoteeurope.com, from a website in Portugal, in Portuguese, remoteportugal.com. The future of work conferences i help out with the running remote conference so yeah i'm a little bit all over the place and there's a lot of remote in what i do <laughs> so why i'm curious because like i'm the sort of person i think a lot of people listening are as well where like i get a ton of ideas and i want to do everything all at once all the time right but the thing that i've noticed is like it's really hard to get any one thing off the ground if you don't have like your full focus on it and if you're trying to do a whole bunch of different things. So what was your experience with that? Like kind of trying to run a whole bunch of different things. Did you have a similar, uh, did you learn a similar lesson or did it work out for you? So I felt almost every single time that I did launch a business, pretty much. I felt always. 
the big difference now is that I took the time to learn about myself even before COVID. So when I was working for my last company, I learned, I did the Meyer Briggs test, which is actually very famous in the US. I learned afterwards, just it's a personality test where you, they divide people into 16 types of personalities. What I did with the Meyer Briggs test, you can do for free at 16personalities.com, 16personalities.com. It's just 10 minutes test. You'll learn a lot about yourself. Actually, the person who simple. designed that website was on this podcast, my friend. Really? Yeah. First, shout out. It's amazing. It's super it's easy. A great and it's a, I keep pushing people to them. So I know it's free, but a lot of people know about Meyer Briggs because it changed my life, to be honest. So... I learned that first I suck as an employee because I have too many ideas and the companies can't follow up. Um, even if they want, there is too many barriers for me to be happy in the company. I also learned that I'm super creative and I'm an entrepreneur by nature, but I failed to follow up. So I'm very good at the first three months. I'm world-class at ideating, launching, and those three months are like, I'm world-class. But then I struggle to follow up and then I struggle to manage the companies that I launched or managing the businesses. So the difference is when I got this information, I really dig deeper and I read two books about my personality and how to go around my issues. But so the actually the, the way that it works right now is that I always partner with two people that have competencies and that have a different uh, operating system than I have. So if I'm very entrepreneur, if I'm full of ideas, I'm actually a decent CEO, but uh, I will always need someone for operations. Always, always, always. None of my ideas will ever work if there is nobody working operations on it. So I always partner with the operations person. And then even though I love marketing, it's very time consuming. And shout out for everyone who does marketing. Like that thing, it became really time consuming, too many social media. I remember when marketing used to be simpler. You just need to be creative and have a nice message. Right now, it's design, it's data analysis, is crazy, crazy. So shout out for the marketeers. I don't have time for that. So then I always partner with someone who can do marketing and design, not the strategy, but more the implementation. So all my projects right now were started with by three people, myself with the idea, a person who does the operation, to be honest, all the, the heavy lifting, and someone for marketing. And this way we can keep things running. Even with a small team, we can kick out, we can keep things running, make some money, grow it slowly. We are not in a hurry. And now it works. And how do you find those people and make sure that they're the right people, right? Because it's like a lot of, there are a million and one stories, uh, terrible stories of finding the right, the, the wrong partners, right? So how do you make sure that like, first, how do you find those people? Like, where do you find that organizations and operations person? Where do you find that marketing person? And how do you make sure that they're the right fit for you and for what you guys are working on? So I find them through my network, actually. So I'm very active online and I have a lot of people around me in my community. I have a Portuguese community that became fairly big. Like we have 7,000 people, something like that in the Facebook community about remote work. So I follow their projects. I keep meeting people. People come to meetups. I always to organize around Portugal. And you know people, that's basically it. And then when something pops up, you just share with them and you share with the right people very strategically. And if they become very, wow, we should do that. Why? We should do that. And this is how I started everything, to be honest. Like, for example, my conference, uh, The Future of Work, that became now this year's six conferences, if everything goes well online, 
it was exactly like that. We were having, uh, we have this digital nomad um, group in Portugal of people that were trying to become digital nomads. And I was a digital nomad myself. And we, we had meetings almost every week just to talk about stuff. You know, we record that meeting, we put on YouTube, our struggles working remotely, our struggles like growing businesses. It was quite fun. But because of that, in one of the conversations, I said, well, it would be really cool to organize a conference about digital nomadism in Portugal. And two of those guys said, yeah, I actually read this book about organizing. I have this uh, air table that's incredible. I was like, nice. And the other guy said, well, I work on marketing. Let's work together. And this was actually my first enterprise, the future of work, just random conversation. Two guys said, yes, we test it out. It worked. We grew for the future of work. And the other was pretty much the same. I knew these guys for a while. I knew their work. I see what they were doing in their business. So it was more like, hey, guys, you are great at this. Would you like to build remote Portugal? Uh, we have this, this idea. You guys should build something different. You are to focus on digital nomadism. Why don't we just build the best content website in Portugal about remote work? Well, you take care of B2C, I take care of B2B, and we build this together. Those guys said, yes, we built it. So I don't go after people. I'm very, I let things roll. And I think there is a proper timing for everything. And when the timing is right and I find the right people, I launch. I don't launch without the right people next to me anymore I, because I, I will fail. I know now I will just fail miserably and I will get frustrated. So it's a waiting game, but also keeping the eye open. I have an Evernote full of business ideas. I will start one day when I find the right people. And sometimes there is someone missing and you just wait a little bit until you find someone or someone you know, know someone who can fill that position. But I just trust my connections and what I see on them. I'm... I'm, I look at people and I understand people and that helps me out finding the right people. Sometimes I fail as well. That's okay. And how do, how do these people get rewarded? Like, do you pay them? Do they get equity? What's that set up like? It's a business. We split all the profits uh, by three, like equal parts, 33, it's probably we do 25, 25, 25, 25, like if we were four, 25 are for the company, um, but we split everything. Every profit from the beginning is for everyone to split. Like, and I don't get more because I had the idea. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Let's, um, before we continue on to talk about the digital nomad village, um, I do want to circle back because you mentioned that you read a few books that really helped you out to understand yourself and to work better within those. What were those books that you met that helped you out? Just about my personality, actually. Now I'm reading a new one that is helping me out, but it was books on my personality, uh, ENTP and the book is actually just called ENTP. So Mm -hmm. I just I just put ENTP on Amazon and I read the first two books that appeared. And now a book about a book that is helping me out a lot right now, because now I struggle with managing too many things at the same time is the two biographies from Richard Branson. So Richard Branson, the founder of Virgin actually has the same uh, and the same personality as myself. So because of that, is a good model to understand how I can work and the way he managed to pull himself out of most businesses, almost becoming an advisor of their own companies is something that I'm now understanding and learning and I wish to do it in the future. Gotcha. Yeah, for anyone who's interested, um, I can't remember what the book is called. Uh, maybe maybe you know what I'm talking about, but there's really like um, something that's discussed is, and I'll look up the book and I'll put it in the show notes, but it's uh, the difference between being a visionary and then being an integrator. I don't know if you've ever heard about this before, but it was a game changer for me because uh, what I was doing was I was in operations and I was creating SOPs and all of these things for companies. And then I went out and I 
read this book that's about the integrator or the visionary and I discovered that I'm a visionary but I was playing as an integrator and I was wondering why I was struggling so much and I'm just like you I have ideas you know I want to go out there and build things but the moment that I get into the nitty-gritty of the day-to-day things I'm done like give me something yeah, else same. so that's something that I think is really interesting for people to understand when they're wanting to become entrepreneurs is are you an integrator? That means that you need a visionary or are you a visionary that then needs an integrator kind of like yourself? Um, nice. But let's let's talk about the Digital Nomad Village because I'm super psyched about that. Can I just add two books that didn't change my life but helped me out a lot? It was, first one was Still Like an Artist. So there's this issue where you are afraid of copying others or where you feel that you are copying someone. But the truth is, most most things are invented and most of mm-hmm. us are not just genius so still like an artist basically tells you that you can bring people from different bring ideas from different sources and put everything together and this is actually how i built uh, the digital nomad village it's not something completely new and the second is ship it from seth Godin. we are a lot of times just afraid of shipping stuff of putting things into the world and it's a small book i read it in like two hours and it's, it's just pretty like, new isn't yeah, it no, I think I read it while I was in university. But the idea is oh. just don't try to be perfectionist, just ship it. Right. And this I is the whole that. idea of the book. <laughs> yeah, I love Sorry, it. I needed to say this because it really changed the way I see things and it gave me the confidence to just ship it. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I love um, both those concepts. I don't think I've read ship it, but um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that for sure. But uh, so let's talk about Digital Nomad Village. I'm super pumped about this. Um, so pumped that I signed up for it. Uh, so I really wanted to come. I'm not going to be able to, though, because I can't get into Portugal. So let's start there. Um, what is the Digital Nomad Village? Um, and where did you get the idea? And then we can talk about who can actually get in there right now. <laughs> yeah, right now is the challenging part, right? So the Nomad Village is basically a community. Like, it's a lot of things, but in the core, it's just a community of digital nomads that want to live in a village that is a community the key thing and the reason why it's in the village is because villages were built for a connection a long time ago before we all lived to big cities people used to live in villages and people used to know each other and people used to trust each other and live in the community and it looks like according to a great uh, short book i read called um, the Man- the urban mank i just read actually the blinkwist but it was good enough it's just the secret of happiness. The one of the first pillars of the secret of happiness is community. And the second one is in nature. And the third one is actually moving your body. Taking that into account, in a village, you live in community, whether you like it or not, and people bump into each other. So that's why we decided to do this in a village and not just in the big city like Funchal. And what is well just real we are offering free co-working space we are building a community we get together every day for watching the sunset and drink something and we go to lunch together imagine that you live in a big community of digital nomads where people are really interesting but also interested in having a positive impact in the locals and all our partners our locals with exception of people that came right, right afterward and help us giving the next step like dave williams from nomadex Nomadex is one of our international partners just helping us pushing this even forward to ever to the, to all the world. But to its core, I got inspired by a lot of interesting people that were doing things way before me. And some of those people are 
Edu from Sende.co, a co-living place in Galicia, in the rural village, they have 30 inhabitants. And when I was there in August, there was more digital nomads and inhabitants. And it's just a rural village in the mountain. And he built the co-living there and he grows the community through the co-living. I also know Matthias, a German guy, I think a German Austrian. No, he must be killing someone. Sorry, guys. And he built a whole community in Bansko, a city in the mount, a village in the mountains of Bulgaria through his business, his co-working space, and then later his co-living. And nobody was going to Bansko besides snow, besides snowboarding for three months a year. Then the, everything closed and people go to their lives. And now Bansko is full the whole year. Also, I met Nacho Rodriguez. You were, I, had you were Matthias, there? I had Matthias on the show and I'm actually He's Bulgarian. Awesome. And I never thought about Bonspa. I know Bonspa, obviously, <laughs> but I've never thought about it as like a digital nomad spot. So yeah, I totally agree. It's insane. And it, like these guys were doing, it's like what I'm doing is not new. What is new is a twist I gave around. I took the best things from all those places and mix it with the government. But also, so just one more guy. I met Nacho Rodriguez from Las Palmas. He runs Nomad City Conference and now Read People. And I met and I saw how it works and he taught me more about the working, the side of working with the government and the whole media that it has around it. So when I came to Madeira in September last year, I came, I came with the different eyes. I came, I was here when I was a kid, but now I came with the eyes of Digital Nomad that was traveling around, saw Bali, saw Thailand, so all these crazy beautiful places. And so also what is the impact of Digital Nomads in the communities there? And with that, I came to Madeira and I was stoked about how crazy beautiful this place is. Like, honestly, I was like, how is this Portugal? And I went to the other side of the world. This is like at my door. I could have started here instead of go straight to Bali. Although Bali is amazing. Don't get me wrong, guys. But it's like, this is at my door. This is Portugal. They speak Portuguese, the same culture. And it's really incredible when this, these kind of things happen. <laughs> so, yeah, just... I was just I was talking with the Secretary of Economy, which is basically the number two of the government here. And I was saying, guys, you have an opportunity of a lifetime to do something special here. Like this place can be a new hotspot for digital nomads because this place is beautiful. It has a lot of things to do. The internet, I organized a whole conference from here, so the internet was crazy fast. It has everything. It just needs a proper structure. And I said we should do a project about it let me come here and build this for you. And by then it was not even the village, it was just promoting Madara. That guy told me, spoke with the president of Madara and the next day I was in a meeting with the president of Madara in the palace, me with shorts, t-shirts, <laughs> in the president and part of the government just there. And I was like, okay, this is going well. So I had a meeting with the president and he was very stoked about the idea. He wanted to build stuff. And I said, no, 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 we don't need to build stuff. We can actually just do it right here. And with the things that you have, I'm sure you have villages, you have empty buildings for sure, public buildings that you can use. Let's just do it here with what we have. Let's not be crazy. So I presented the project, it got approved. And the project is really just take a village that is right now, not with many people. So here, most of the, when I was here in December before the project, uh, the village was empty. There was like five people I saw during the whole day. And I was like, wow. And it's beautiful because most people left or for the mainland or for Funchal or for working abroad. So there is not many inhabitants around here. So it was perfect and it was beautiful. And there has an empty space for a free co-working space that was part, core part of my project. So yeah, I presented the project, got approved, uh, working with the government, partnering with the locals and build everything from scratch. And this is how we are now talking from Madeira Island, Ponte do Sol. And to be fair, it's like 10 times bigger and 10 times better than I ever thought in the beginning of September. So yeah, so far so good. 
So if anyone is listening who is interested in digital, you know, in, in the digital nomad village and coming to Madeira, who is it for? Like, who do you want from the community to come to the island? And also, what is the benefits for them, right? There's lots of people now. There's lots of places that are coming up with remote visas. A lot of locations are starting to kind of like, all of a sudden, we were kind of the people that nobody wanted, but now everybody's trying to like attract digital nomads and remote workers. So what are the benefits to coming to the digital nomad village in uh, Madeira? And who do you want to come? So I'll tell you first who I don't want to come because there is some people that, well, I don't say they are not welcome. Everyone is welcome, but you will feel bad here. So maybe it's not for you. If you are a nomad that just wants to party at night and go to parties and enjoy and get drunk, get wasted, repeat the next day. Well, this is not the place for you because first there is no clubs. You can get hammered in the beach bar, but it will not be that fun. And well, there is better places for that. Even the Canary Islands, like Tenerife is amazing for a party. Lisbon is crazy good. So a digital nomad village is not a good place for making huge parties. We do party, but more on the relaxed style with wine and caipirinhas in our hand, which is not too bad, but not just huge parties you expect. And if you are looking for a lot of restaurants, variety, good things all over the place, well, this is a village. We have them in Funchal, but not a digital nomad village. So maybe this is not for you as well. So who is this for? I believe it's for a community, for people that value community. It's not for everyone and that's okay. Some people value experiences without digital nomads in different places. That's completely okay. It's your choice. But if you are like myself and I am a digital nomad, so I built this with my vision, we are just focusing in building a community. So if you like to live among others, if you like to say, out loud in the working space. Hey guys, I'm going to lunch. Who is joining? And then suddenly 10 people get up and join you for lunch. If you enjoy going to the beach bar and knowing that there is at least 20 people around there that will go and join for you for the drinks. If you want to learn from others, then this is a place because this is it. This is the community. This is a small village where people know each other, where people meet every single day. And it's fun. But it's good. It's big enough. There is Right now, around 80 people here, in specifically in the village, 80 people, is a, it's enough people for having smaller groups where you like more and make a special group where you guys love gaming and you guys talk about gaming or you play board games. So it's big enough to have a variety and it's small enough that you can meet interesting people that are even more like-minded. So the people we want is people that focus in more in community, that are willing to spend time among others, learning, connecting, creating deeper relationships. Gotcha. And what are the benefits? Like if somebody hears this and they're interested in all these things, why should they come to Madeira as opposed to one of the other places that are available to them? Okay, there is the natural benefit. So we are from the co-working to the to diving in the ocean is a total of two minutes which is not too bad. And you can go back to co-work afterwards. And five minutes on the other way, you have forest. And I mean, the green forest that you used to find in Bali, there is here. And there we have more than 100 hikes in the middle of the forest, with, which we call Lufadas. Uh, so if you like nature, this is number one. If you like community, I will not tell you before because this is number two. And then we have the free co-working space that is the epicenter of all the community. If you are like myself, I'm more an extrovert. I love to work from co-working spaces. So my number one demand was a co-working space with great internet. Of course, I want to be happy. I want to work. So if you like to, if you want to work from a co-working space, we have that. We'll help you. We have online community. We help you with accommodation. But it's basically a very beautiful island. And it's the weather is not too bad. It's 21 degrees right now. Uh, the water is 19 degrees. It's not Mexico. I know, man. I know. But... 
it's Europe. For Europe, it's really, really good, to be honest. I expect Madeira, the Canary Islands, and Cape Verde to take over Europe in terms of winter for digital nomads. I agree. I think, and like those temperatures sound perfect to me. Like, uh, like I said, right now I'm in Mexico and it's 91 degrees Fahrenheit, which is like 29 degrees okay. Celsius. 30, you know, so yeah. it's, like, it's, it's like, it's and hot. while we're talking, uh, basically the entire United States is frozen from Austin to the top of Michigan. So I feel kind of bad for saying this, but it's, it's too hot, you know, it's too hot here. <laughs> so. <laughs> Sorry, guys. So I, I think the that temperature is perfect. Like that's one of the things that I've heard about Madeira is that it's just the, the temperature and the weather tends to be kind of perfect all year round, which which sounds great. But you mentioned internet. Let's talk about that a little bit because um, people may not know where Madeira is. And as far as I know, and correct me wrong, uh, if I'm wrong, but it's part of Europe. It's part of Portugal, but it's off the coast of Africa. So it's yeah. far removed from you know Europe. So how is the internet? Amazing as good as in Europe, better than, a lot of times better than the mainland. And I'm from the mainland, I'm from Lisbon, so take me on that. The internet is good, like as you would find anywhere in Europe. Uh, we have 500 megabytes installed in the co-working space. We could go into one terabyte if it was needed. One gigabyte, sorry, one terabyte would be interesting in the future. Uh, one gigabyte. That'd be insane. <laughs> That'd be like, Phew. Yeah. And yeah, it just works perfectly. Actually, I knew because when I came here in September, I was organizing online conference, which is really demanding in terms of internet, a lot of video happening. And I was in a historical building in the middle of Funchal. The same company that built our co-working space infrastructure built there in the in that building. And so I had one, uh, one gigabyte internet. So that's how they got me here. So internet is very important to me. I spend way too many times into calls. And so Internet is good. I will never, actually, there is one country who reach out and I'm not doing any project there because the internet is not good enough. What's that country? Uh, no, no, no. I know I will not tell you because we will do it, but it's Africa. It's an African country that will have, they will actually have very good internet uh, around June. There is a cable coming from Brazil to Europe uh, that will pass in that country. So they will have one gigabyte of internet around the summer. So maybe in the future, who knows? Let's see, let's find out. You know, Africa is one of those interesting places where I think it's just too soon. I think it's, I think it's the infrastructure isn't quite there yet. Um, but I think one day it's going to be a very interesting place for digital nomads because I think a lot of, you know, the same way that like Eastern Europe and Southeast Asia were really points of focus for a lot of digital nomads in the beginning because nobody else knew about it, low cost of living, all of those things, people are starting to find out. And so we're just going to end up moving to wherever the next kind of new location is. And I know of people who are starting co-working spaces in Zanzibar. Mm -hmm. uh, off the coast oh, of Zanzibar? exploded during the pandemic a lot of mm -hmm. people got stuck there and then said well we are here better build a structure build a better build a community we are already here not going anywhere soon and they built it it's insane it's right. super cool actually I'm i i know of a bulgarian guy who's supposedly starting a co-working co-living space there so i'm very interested to get in touch with him so if anybody's listening has his connections i can probably reach out and be like hey you're bulgarian i'm bulgarian let's do this but <laughs> you know <laughs> um so let's talk about getting to madeira uh because Currently, that's not as easy for everyone. So who is allowed to come to Madeira um, and what are sort of the different COVID uh, rules that we need to deal with? Uh, as of right now, mid-February, uh, only people from the European, from Europe are able to fly to Madeira or that are in Europe. 
so most of European Union, except UK, because they decided Brexit. And now I think everyone is like fighting. I think th that guy that did the Brexit must be dead by the end of the year because everywhere <laughs> wants to leave. Everywhere wants to leave to Madeira, to the Canary Islands, to Portugal. And it's like, nope, you can't go out. So yeah, nobody from UK. But most of Europe uh, are coming. Most of Europeans are coming. So Romania, Bulgaria, Germany has a huge crowd here. Poland has a huge crowd here. Some French people, Belgian, all over Europe right now. So you need uh, to be a European citizen. You don't need to be or a have Portuguese residency. citizen. No, no, no. European is good enough. And Madeira has special rules. Madeira has its own government. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an autonomous region, so the rules are different from the mainland. While the mainland is on lockdown, here things are wide open um, because cases are under control, not because they are crazy. So in terms of restrictions, uh, you, have, uh, you are offered a free PCR test on arrival, so you don't have to do it prior to it. You are only asked to stay in quarantine for up to 10 hours. I got my test in five hours the last time. And that's it, basically. Or you can do your own PCR test before coming here, and then you can enter right away. There is a nap, people come, it's super safe. There is some exceptions now, uh, because this is us. We, Madara, can receive people, do the test for free, and everything is good. But some countries are restricting the departures, like um, Netherlands, for example, is restricting departures. So we can we can force the Netherlands to say, it's okay, we will do the test here. So for example, if you come from the Netherlands, you will have to do the test before coming. Uh, so yeah, whatever you come from Europe, make sure you check all the restrictions in your own country, on the airlines. Things are always changing. What I say today can be a lie mm -hmm. tomorrow. Uh, so make sure you are safe. And here right now, because of Christmas, there was a huge strain of cases. By huge, I mean 160 per day. Which was, that was the record. Right now it's around, today was 36, but let's say it's around 50 per day. So there are a few restrictions in place. You have to wear a mask everywhere. Uh, you can take them, you can, everything is open until 6 right now, until 6 p.m. At 7, you, you have a curfew from 7 p.m. to 5 a.m. It's supposed to be to be removed in the next couple of weeks uh, because the cases were reduced by 70% by now. So the government will review the rules on Monday. I'm pushing them to make uh, the curfew a little bit later at nine. Let's see if we can. Oh, let's see how powerful I am. I guess I'm not that powerful, <laughs> but we will try it out. So things can change and things will keep changing. Cases are under control. Uh, just wear a mask everywhere, small groups, and be mindful like everywhere else. So are Americans who are already in Europe able to come in or no? Because like, for example, there could yes. be an American that they are. So as long as they're in Europe, they're able to come in. And if they have, um, yeah, if they can be in Europe, they're able to come. We had two Americans that came from Lisbon four weeks ago. Gotcha. And so how would that like, and I know that, like we said, everything can change like literally tomorrow because the rules are constantly changing at the moment. But at like currently, what would you say is like the best way or the most um, often used way to come into Madeira? Do people fly mostly into Portugal and then make their way to Madeira? Are there other flights from other countries that are direct to Madeira? What, what are some of those popular routes? As of now, there is direct flights from Lisbon and Porto and they, those will never stop. It's like on the law almost. We have direct flights from Germany, uh, from three airports. I know Berlin, Frankfurt, and some other, they have weekly direct flights from Poland as well. And I believe from the Netherlands is still going. 
and from France, from I saw a flight from Bordeaux. So there's also direct flights from France. Those are the one I know. But mm -hmm. basically, we have still a lot of connections around Europe. Uh, they are not closed. Yeah. So I guess the the really the, the big problem if you're American or not a European uh, citizen is that you need to get into Europe first. Um, and that's where the restriction is. So if you don't have European residency or a European citizenship, you can't get in. So like the reason why I wasn't able to come in was because my wife, even though I have European citizenship, she does not yet. We haven't filed the paperwork for her to get her Bulgarian residence yet. And so we were like, oh no, like we, we're not going to be able to come. But uh, yeah, I think hopefully soon those laws are getting relaxed and people are able to enter the European Union. And then I'm, I'm very excited to see what happens with yeah. um, Madeira. I'm, sp I'm speaking with the tourism board and the tourism board in the US and their expectations, of course, don't like, it's not written on paper, is that the, the restrictions in Europe will be lifted by May. So this is what the tourism board expects. Anything can happen. It depends on a lot of things, vaccination rates, everything. But they expect at least um, to travel to be easier by beginning of May. That US and UK will start traveling again more. That's free. great. Let's see. That's that will be hopefully. perfect. We have, yeah. we have more than 1,000 people registered from the US. <laughs> so you mentioned um, the, the vaccines. So this is kind of an interesting conversation that... I'm surprised I haven't seen happening that much in the digital nomad circles just yet. But one of the things that we can expect as a conversation coming up in the next few months is like, where do I go to get the vaccine, right? So <laughs> what are, you know, do you have any idea, do you have any information on um, what can be expected if you are in Madeira when the vaccine becomes available? Which vaccine is it? Like, who's going to be able to get it? Do you have any information on that? In Madeira, no, like Portuguese is a little bit behind in terms of vaccination. We are still vaccinating the essential workers. So yeah, Israel is like 70%, Portugal is like three, four percent. Mm -hmm. So it will take time. So I would not come here for getting the vaccine. Even myself as a Portuguese, I have no idea where mm. or when. Although I could I could fill in for the essential work at part. I deal with a lot of people. So who knows, maybe until June, I can get vaccinated as essential worker. Right. Uh, but no, no, I don't like, this is not the right place, to be honest, to try to get the vaccine. Mm -hmm. It may work, but it's very chaotic. There is no predictions. It's just controlled chaos, like everything in Europe right now. Right. And I think, like, you know, this is what I mean about, like, I, it's, it's very shocking slash surprising to me that no one's having this conversation yet in the digital nomad circles because, like, for example, I'm currently in Mexico, right? So do I wait in Mexico until the vaccine comes available here and have to deal with, like, well, am I, like, would they even give me the vaccine because I'm not a citizen? Can I purchase it? How much does it cost? Do I fly back to the U.S. and get it there? What is that going to look like? Do I roll the dice and go to a third place that might happen. So it's this like very interesting, uh, you know, like conversation of like, what, like how, where do I do this? You know? So it's, uh, it's, it's just one, an, another one of those things that you need to deal with as a digital nomad, you know? Yeah. Like business. Right. So yeah, I'm a little bit luckier because right now, although I'm in Madara, it's my own country. So I will be able to get it in due time when people start fascinating uh, people from my age and start to go for the mainstream. But yeah, imagine that you are in Bali. No way you can get the vaccine so far. Right. Or Mexico, probably. It will take a while. Or Brazil. 
And also like the other conversation there is like, which vaccine are you getting? Right. Because like, even though a lot of them seem to Sputnik, be, come on, it's yeah, Sputnik, right? go for Sputnik. Sputnik <laughs> is a solution. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it, it, that is like a serious consideration now is like, is. which one do you get? Right. Like, um, I know that uh, I'm very fortunate that my father-in-law is a doctor and like he gives us a lot of information. And he's like, do you, you know, do you go with this one that is brand new and is getting distributed a lot more, but it's an RNA vaccine, but you need to get two shots. Do you wait until the Johnson and Johnson comes out? It's only one shot using all that. So it's, it's an even added more of this conversation. It's going to be interesting yeah. to see how that develops this year. So in Portugal, it's um, very easy. There is just one. We just have the two shots from Pfizer. That's it. Mm -hmm. There is no conversation happening here. It's that one or none for now. So <laughs> sometimes less options are better, right? It keeps it um, simple. Like always rise. It's always the same. So one choice, you take it or you don't take it. Right, right. Let's talk a little bit about uh, finding a place to live. So I know that you mentioned uh, NomadX, fantastic company. I've done an interview with Dave uh, and Redim over at uh, Flatio. So if anybody's interested, just search it in the episode guide and you'll get there. But what are, you know, what can people expect? Is uh, Airbnb, um, you know, popular there? Like what kind of selection are people looking at? Because one of the struggles with it being an island in a small village is like eventually it's going to run out of places, right? So oh, yeah. uh, what can people expect with that? So first, definitely Flatio is right now the biggest source. Uh, they are our main partner right now. And even uh, we had some local partners to find local accommodations that were basically taking stuff from Airbnb to put on Flatio for the medium term, which is great for Flatio. That's why they partner with us. And so, yeah, Flatio is a good source, but then we, some houses are not on Flatio, but also we partner with a lot of small hotels. Like uh, we had a fine yard uh, farm that is completely beautiful that did like 80% discount for us. So it's seven, 750 euros to live in a beautiful vineyard in the, your own apartment with pool and everything you need to be very, very happy. And in the village center, there is already lack of apartments right now because we took over basically. But what's happening naturally is that people are spreading. So we have some small hotels, some natural, some um, small businesses here in Madara that are coming to us to ask for help. And we are, as long as they do a price for digital nomads, something that's in line with our market, we are accepting everyone to make sure also that we have different choices. So we are even opening small hotels here uh, that were closed due to COVID, they're opening just for us. We are taking over the whole region right now. It was just, it's just not only in Ponta do Sol. It was mm -hmm. too small for the dimension that it got. So right now, the two villagers next to us, both Ribeira Brava and Calieta, are receiving a lot of people. And there is already small communities forming in Calieta, for example, which is beautiful. So, for example, this vineyard farm, I think eight eight family eight Germans like alone or couple and couples just went there. And they will just do a small community in the farm, work together. And it's like, because there's a curfew, they can have dinner all together. And that's beautiful. They're doing it by themselves. You know, we partner with them, we make the right prices, but then people start to move around. And as you mentioned, for example, in Fushal, there is Savoy making the best price probably you'll find ever in the Savoy. I think it's 1,250 with breakfast for the whole month, 28 days that you will never find it like again on Savoy in your life. So it's an opportunity of the lifetime. And yeah, we are partnering with most of everything that has a room that is decent and that wants to do a good price for us. We are partnering with them. So Flatio is a good option. Our website has all the hotels and smaller properties as well that are around. 
And yeah, just whatever you are looking for from one bedroom, we met a guy living in a three bedroom with a pool and it's like having fun. He wants to bring her intern here just to, instead of doing the training online, oh, just bring him here and enjoy, enjoy life. And it will be fun to be in Madeira instead of Belgium. So yeah, that's the housing situation. Usually prices are around for the whole apartment, 600 for one bedroom, 800 for two bedrooms, euros and 1,000 for a three bedroom. It depends on pools and everything else that you can get, mm -hmm. but this is our baseline. And since you're mentioning prices, can you can you just kind of like very quickly mention what people can expect in terms of cost of, of living? Is it similar to mainland Portugal? Is it a bit more expensive? Just kind of give us like a ballpark. Uh, yeah, it's the same prices. Like you can have lunch for eight euros every day uh, in a very good restaurant, actually, with a meal, with drink and coffee, eight euros. And this is cheap. And in, this, in the other restaurant, you can do the same for six euros without a drink if you are not into drinking. And oh, and these eight euros include wine. <laughs> just saying just uh, a bottle or just no no a, gla <laughs> a glass of wine a glass of wine but still like it's eight euros like a menu and you get wine right. instead of just a coke mm -hmm. i think it's a good deal it's portugal wine is so cheap that people just give it away so what else housing i told you but the rest is very close to mainland i think it's cheaper than lisbon and eating out is around 10 euros to 12 euros even in a good restaurant i'll say 15 euros and then if you don't drink a bottle of wine, then the bottle of wine just double down. Uh, but yeah, it's it's super cheap for anyone from Northern Europe, US. I have a, mm. a lady here from the US. She tells, I feel sorry when I only pay 8 euros. So I give almost 50% tip because it's too cheap. And I just went to help the locals. I feel bad for just paying 8 euros. And I was like, well, that's normal price here. And you're not expected to tip in Portugal. So, well, it's welcome, but you are not expected to. So yeah, those are more or less the prices. So mentioning the locals, um, let's talk a little bit about that and what their response has been, because um, one of the interesting things that happens is that when digital nomads move into a place, they tend to, you know, we feel like we're, we're a benefit to the community, right? We bring more money into it. Um, we can, you know, kind of like bring awareness of all the things you can do online, but sometimes it can have a negative impact on the local population. So you know, you mentioned Bonsco, for example, small village, all of a sudden, the hundreds of digital nomads poured in there. And I remember I was at the co-working space there and they were having this big party and the co-working space is kind of in the middle of the town. And the next morning I show up to work and there's a grandma that is like working in her yard, like, you know, picking out vegetables or whatever. And I'm like, this 85 year old grandma cannot be happy about the party that just happened last night you know, five feet away from our house. So what has the response from the local population been? Uh, positive, negative, a little mix of both? What, what do they feel about this? So I learned a lot from others and specifically from Changu Bali where we just, we community just overrun the locals and took over and you know, it's a digital nomad bubble. So I was very mindful of that and that was what I didn't really want to build. So we worked with the locals from the beginning. The way we did it is we partnered with all the local businesses. For example, the restaurants here, like it's Portugal, meat, fish is big. Vegetarian, eh, not so really. So what we did <laughs> is we went to both restaurants here and we tell them, hey, there is like 25% of these people are vegetarians or vegans. In the middle of the day, can you also have always a vegetarian option? And now you have middle of the day, six euros, eight euros with a vegetarian option. 
we went to the person that manages most of the houses for vacations here and told her, well, these prices are really high. This is the baseline that you should have for digital nomads. Do you think they can, you can convince the locals that this project is good for them and let's lower the prices because these guys are not tourists? It worked. We went to the main hotel here, um, very, really, really good design hotel, Stellage in Ponte Pessoa. Explained the project. Actually, the owner of the hotel is one of the reasons why we actually are here. Explain the project. The guy opens up. Like, if you want to use the pool, if you want to use the space for events, it's beautiful up the hill. You are welcome here. So the way we did it is that we talked with the local businesses first. Even before launching, two months before, back in December, I was speaking with every single local business around the village, from massage to to bakery to supermarkets. Everyone was receiving a briefing about what we were doing and how they could adapt. With that education, and also what was missing in the village, I imagine there is missing a co-working space, there is missing a co-living place, there is missing a good cafe. So they have all the knowledge. So there was at that education that was also a preparation for the locals to understand the market and take advantage or adapt to it. With that, what happened now is that we are very welcome because all the local businesses understand the market, they understand what's happening. People are also being very respectful of the locals. And there is a really cool community. Everyone is happy. Also, the business were like the timing was good. Businesses were pretty much like empty and desert for the whole day. And now they have they have clients. And because of that, they are really enjoying it and they are having fun and they are super proud. Gotcha. That's great. Yeah, I love the kind of approach of having uh, the local population in on it and getting their feedback and understanding how to do it. But um, that's great. I'm sure that there is... Um, information about where to stay when you come um but you know what are some of like the main neighborhoods or areas um i know there's a multiple a few different villages on the island so can you talk a little bit about the difference between the villages and then kind of like where to stay inside of the main ones yes so well we are in Ponta do sol and to be honest this is fairly small you can walk everywhere so anywhere inside Ponta do sol is a great place to be because you can just walk your life you don't need a car and motorbike or anything then a lot of people are spreading to the sites uh, so if you want to rent a car most of us do it's around 300 to 400 euros and then it's Calieta has a really strong community because they have beautiful beautiful houses really nice guest houses really nice just beautiful places like boutique houses, Caleta boutique houses. I was there. It's beautiful. So a lot of people staying in Caleta, Sand, uh, Sand Beach. People are going there and enjoying there. And then we have the other side, Ribera Brava. Both are five minutes by car, five to ten minutes by car. So it's like super fast. There's tunnels everywhere. And around this region, if you want to be connected with the Digital Nomad Village, Ponta do Sol, that's the best place to be. If you prefer the big city, Funchal, um, anywhere in Funchal, specifically in San Martinho and San Gonzalo is my two favorite regions because it's close to the beach. It's a different environment. It's not the, the city center. It's, the city center has a little bit more, not dirty, but uh, some, some homeless people and it's not that cool. While if you are just a little bit outside, you can still walk to the city center, but you have the ocean, you have the beach, you have the pools, the natural pools. So if you stay around Fuchau, also beautiful. If you like surf, then the north is your region. So all this is in the south, both Fuchau and then Pontosol in the southwest. And actually, that is quite good for surfing, but only in the north. If you are a beginner intermediate, if you are a professional near, near to Ponta do Sol, we have 10 meters waves quite often, but you need to be a professional or you will die. 
up in the north, Porto da Cruz is a great place to go. They have surf schools. They have really nice environment. It's a very small village. They don't have many digital nomads, but have a lot of surf uh, surfers. So if you like surf, I would go there because they have a really cool environment around and nice vibe, but mixed between locals, really, really locals and uh, surfers that are around the globe that just come here for the weather and go there for surfing as well. And is the internet good in all of those places? Like, for example, if I wanted to go to that village that is a, a surfer kind of place and to learn to surf, like, would I still be able to, like, work and do calls and stuff? Yes, yes, yes. In all the villages that are have a proper structure, if they appear on, them, on the Google Maps, they are good enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how you go. Right. But they are, like, smaller. They are, like... Yeah, they have proper structure and they, because it's a small island, the government provides with really good services for everyone. Gotcha. So I have like one last question and this isn't really, you know, related to the Digital Nomad Village, but I'm curious what you're doing. I don't think, you know, like you said, you're not the first person to do this, but I don't think you're going to be the last. And I think this is going to become more and more popular. So, you know, people setting up different, uh, cities, working with cities, working with governments to make them more friendly towards digital nomads and kind of setting up similar programs. So what was your experience working with the city and what are some tips that you can offer to people who maybe have similar ideas and want to do something similar to what you've done, but in other parts of the world? At first, I'm, I'm probably doing that in more parts of the world. I was contacted by seven countries already and things are interesting. There is some interesting places that I would, I would like to work with. Not so much with the money, but I like this mission of decentralizing and using remote work and digital nomad as a tool for the good and not just take over the places like we sometimes do. In a good way, we have good intentions, but with structure, things really work better. And so other people that want to do, I think it's really important to have the buy-in from the government and right now it's easier than never but just don't go there saying how good it will be explain them step by step why it will have an impact on the economy why is that good why sometimes digital nomads will actually become expats and then actually become starting businesses there and who knows paying taxes there this happens quite often uh, with several places it's already happening with Madara. so explain them the why i think the why is more important than the what why would your village, your city be the perfect place for this project? And after that, I always go for free co-working space. It's the one thing I ask from the governments for two reasons. First, the co-working space becomes the epicenter of the whole community. And second, to show that they are on board. It's not just, yeah, 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 we'll help you out. Well, once you have the co-working space, I know that you will, you are working on it. Once you start showing me places, I know that you are for real. You are not just talking and not walking your talk. So those two things are very important. Keep one another thing is never give exclusivity to anyone. Like people, if you go and if things go where will it work out? We were all over the news, CNN, uh, Business Insider, Washington Post, etc. So if this really works out, we'll have a lot of people and some like never give exclusivity. Like I love Dive, I love Navadex. We have to work with local partners as well. Uh, so keep locals first. And of course, if you have big brands or if you have really interesting businesses like Nomadex, bring them on board if they want to. But yeah, be mindful of the local businesses. Local businesses first, contact them first, make sure they understand the concept, make sure, make sure they adapt to the concept that they have the right things for the received digital nomads. And then build and have fun. You can make it a business. Look at Matias, look at Edo. You can build a co-living, you can build a co-working, you can manage, you can be the community leader. 
and it's actually fun. I'm in that position right now. I don't plan to stay here forever, but being a community manager is fun if you like people, if you're an extrovert, if you like to meet our experiences, if you like to build events, man, just become the community manager, open a co-living place, a co-working space, and most important of all, focus on building the community. That's the one thing that will make or break the project. So I know that I said that that was going to be the last question. But I <laughs> no, uh, keep going. I have a follow-up question. You mentioned starting a business in Madeira. Um, are there any sort of like processes that have been established to make that easier for digital nomads? Like what does that kind of look like at the moment? And what are the benefits to somebody who wants to, you know, who, who starts a business in Madeira? I'm not an expert. I'm not from Madara, but I do work with Startup Madara. They are the project owners that are helping me out here. And I know there are several people moving their businesses because there is tech benefits in Madara compared with the rest of Europe. And we have to be fairly big to enjoy those tax benefits and invest some money. I think that the magic number is 75K. And there is uh, benefits. They have these, uh, they were called tax event before, but they are tax goods, but not tax event for sure. That is better around. But if you want to be inside Europe, one hour and a half from Portugal, four hours flights are right to Germany and still be in the tropical islands. Well, this is not a bad place to run your business. I can tell you that. I can see myself living here. So yeah, there is even a lot of, like there is definitely a place for online businesses they are really focusing in. They have a startup retreat where they bring startups for a month to the island and they work together in their projects from all over the world. It becomes like, a digital nomad retreat, but with startups, it's really cool. And yeah, there is these benefits of running a business in a very relaxed environment and just close to Europe, one fly away. So it's actually quite cool. And yeah, Startup Madara is the best contact. Like they are our partners. So if you are around, if you want to know more about opening a business, even if you want to have an accelerator for yourself, the guys will help you out and they are super very into, they are working really hard for this project. So they are very interested in also having people to attract their businesses here, making sure they work, give them all the resources. So contact them. They are really cool and they work surprisingly hard. I was, my mind is like, we receive 300 emails a day and those guys are just killing it and making contacts and making meetings. Those guys work. They are hustlers. And you mentioned the fact that you've been, featured in all of these huge publications like if you can think about it uh you've been in it at this point how did you do that like that's obviously that's a very um beneficial thing to anybody who's running a business and wants to get publicity about what they're working on um do you have any sort of tips or anything that obviously this is a very interesting concept but like you said it's not brand new it's not like you're the person who's come up with the idea but the difference is that you got a ton of publicity on this. What do you think helped with that? What did you do that others weren't? Hire me. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> no, I think it was a mix of things. First, we kick off really well with a very, very good article. The first article came out at 150 sec, um, a blog, a website for startups here. And th that article was really well written. It's not just our press release copied like 90% of the articles. It was really good research. They, they interviewed me. She, they were amazing. They really built something amazing. And actually, I would say 30% of the articles that follow up, they all went from this first article at 150 seconds that we shared a lot. I have a strong LinkedIn and a strong personal brand, which definitely helps. But that was the first step, uh, getting a very good first article that kicked off. We were featured in Portugal. That was easy. But then to be featured around the world, that first article opened a lot of doors. Uh, so 
having a very strong first article well-researched in one connection will be key then to be featured everywhere else. But then to be honest, although it's not the first of its, it's the first of its kind because it gets together everything, then I think the key was the why. So most of the countries are just doing digital nomad visas and we shift everything around. We focus in the community first. And one thing that comes out of this is most of the villages in Europe are empty and desert. And so there is a strong why. So this is not a place where people can work remotely. This is also a system or it's also a process that other places can go to build similar things. This is also the answer for people that are tired of living in the cities. Of course, timing helps, but having a strong why. This is not just a visa. This is more. This is actually this is something that can change everything in countries. This is something that can help people move out from cities this is something that can save the villages that have now two three inhabitants so the whole why behind it the whole involving the locals concept was really different and i think that's why people just not shared but they really loved the concept and for example the article for cnn terry was talking with us for almost two weeks and i mean talking like i had messages every single day from terry at my whatsapp direct for me direct for carlos the president of startup madara and they really did a very good article that was the second good article we had and it's just not good because it says good things it's good because they just didn't copy the other guys they went they researched they asked very good questions and they questioned things and they were the devil advocates and they pushed us to be better so yeah, when you have those articles, I'd say one good article, not I prefer to be in 150 sex with a very well researched article than to be in 10 the 10 best newspapers of the US, just with a press release. The quality and the quantity of people that then uh, linked back to those guys actually is immense. And uh, so I think the why is important, having a good first article is important. And then yeah, working the marketing, I, I'm a LinkedIn guy and I have a lot of contacts inside remote work and digital nomadies, but mostly remote work. And it helps to be known in your community. So like you, like me, like if you are a known person inside the community and you do it, it's 10 times easier to get it spread. And that's one of the reasons why I am doing it because if a random person in a random place starts doing it and doesn't know the community and is not aware of what we like, is not connected, is not a personality or is not known, it will be 10 times harder than starting from a little bit above and being known and really content and writing about remote work and writing about digital nomadism and writing about the impacts. So all that helped. It was not just one good strategy. I don't think it's that easy to just copy like that. But I think the, the good tips here are just try to have one good article released. Don't do just a press release and expect the best because those articles for me are zero, zero. They're nice. We put the logo on the website and it works to give credibility, but the ones that will actually help people moving here are the well-written ones. 156 CNN brought a lot of people because they researched really well what they did. That's awesome. I love it. Well. Gonzalo, thank you so much for coming on, man. Um, I really appreciate it. I'm really excited for what you guys are doing. Uh, and I love it. I, I love the whole project. And I think you're doing uh, an amazing job with it. Um, let people know if they're interested in coming, if they want to find out more about um, data and like all the different, um, I'm sure you guys have a lot of information about uh, the island and, and, you know, kind of help guide people to the right place for them. Where can they find out more about that? So digitalnomads.startupmadara.eu. 
you, you just you can see all the information there if you want to come just register it's free i think i mentioned that but it's part it's free and then you will be added to a slack channel you'll be welcomed by our team with all the information you need and then from then on just book the tickets and join us awesome man well i hope to uh get to madeira at some point and yes. um yeah man thank you so much for coming by Thank you, man. Huge pleasure. Uh, great people in this podcast. And actually, I need to listen to all the guys. And I will listen to Matthias' episode because that guy is legendary. So thank you so much for having me on and all the best. Thank you.